You're listening to Comedy Central. How many people here celebrate Cyber Monday? You guys uh, here celebrate Cyber Monday? I'm disappointed. I feel like Cyber Monday has lost like the spirit of what it was about. Do you know what I mean? Like Black Friday still has the spirit. We're gonna line up at midnight. We're gonna try kill each other for a TV. Cyber Monday has no purpose. Like, what's the point of Cyber Monday? Because we do cyber every day. You know what I mean? No one waits for this day to order some shit from Amazon. You just like, oh, Amazon even has their own day. It's got Prime Day. You know what I mean? I just feel like we've lost the spirit of what this day was about. It was the day when we celebrated baby Jesus ordering things at 20% off. (laughs) What did I buy? Oh, everything. (laughs) I mean, Cyber Monday, I'm not gonna not participate. Yeah, I just bought a bunch of shit. I got 40% off. I didn't need anything, but I just did it. Because that's what America's all about. Yeah, and then I'm gonna sell it on eBay now. Circle of life, Hakuna Matata. Coming to you from the heart of Times Square in New York City, the only city in America. It's The Daily Show, Ears Edition. Tonight, Omar Watch, Dr. Peter Hotez. Andy Newton. This is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to The Daily Show. I'm Trevor Noah. Let's jump straight into the big story today, which is obviously the Omicron variant, the coronavirus mutation causing more chaos in the world than Rihanna's booty pajamas. Oof. So let's try to break it down. Not the pajamas, the variants. In another edition of Keeping Up With Corona. For most of 2021, the world has been fighting off various COVID variants, which are all more efficient than the OG from Wuhan. We had Alpha, we had Lambda, we had Delta. You know, COVID basically turned the planet into the shittiest frat house of all time. But just when we thought we had it all figured out, last week, scientists in South Africa announced that they discovered a new variant. And what they saw is freaking people out. Scientists are racing to learn more about a new COVID variant already setting off alarm bells around the world. According to South African scientists, the Omicron variant has more than 50 mutations and is likely to be more transmissible. It has a bunch of mutations, a disturbingly large number of mutations in the spike protein, which is the business end of the virus. The COVID-19 vaccines target the spike protein. If the spike changes too much and in the wrong way, it could make the vaccines less effective. The president of Moderna said yesterday, what's most scary about this virus is it has managed to put all of its greatest hits into one variant. Yes, it's all the greatest hits in one place. Like if Mamma Mia killed you instead of teaching you about the power of love. And what's so scary about this thing is all the mutations to the virus's spike protein because the spike protein is how the virus penetrates our cells. It's basically COVID's dick. And a mutated dick is never a good thing. Yeah, there's no Hallmark cards that say, congratulations on your mutated dick. But hey, I'm no expert. So to get us a more informed perspective, I sent Roy Wood Jr. out to CDC headquarters in Atlanta. And Roy, I know you're standing by right now. What can you tell us? Well, Trevor, the Omicron variant is the 12th variant of COVID and the fifth variant of concern now spreading in the 20th month of the global pandemic. I've been talking to the top scientists at the CDC and everyone seems to agree. Come on, man, just, man, just stop. Just stop. 
man. Chill, man. Just variant after variant after variant. Just damn. Uh, Shit got to stop, bro. I, I'm sorry, Roy. This is what the scientists are saying? Oh, no, of course not. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, Trevor. The actual scientific consensus on the Omicron is... Ah, shit. I gotta cancel this damn vacation. I done pushed it back two, three times. It's St. John's. I wanna go. Then they gonna shut everything down. Then the next thing you know, you're gonna have strange people delivering your food. And you gotta wonder whether or not they've been eating some of your fridge fries. And then I gotta be cooped up with the boy. And I gotta homeschool and figure out which button is the Zoom button and how to print the homework on the printer that has no ink. And then that's just another whole last day. And then I'm, we're, in, we're in a two-bedroom apartment. It's three of us. It's, it's just not enough space. I can hear her phone calls through the wall. I can hear him playing the Nintendo Switch. I'm trying to be on a conference call, and God forbid I actually get a little bit of silence in this house so I can enjoy my PlayStation that I set online for Cyber Monday to buy. I actually got a goddamn PlayStation that I can't even play now because everybody's going to be in the house because you can't play violent video games around the boy. We don't want him learning about violent. Well, what other good games are there to play on a PlayStation other than violent games? You have to pretend violence in this country to keep from doing violence in real life. And, that, and I think that's what she doesn't understand. She doesn't understand that that's what the video games do for me. And I just think if I just had a just a third bedroom, a third bedroom. All right. That's all we need is a third bedroom. And that would give me the space that I need. But then we would have to move uptown, and that's too far. And then you uh, gotta right, have a 40-minute right. well, train ride. Well, thank, thank you, and thank I'm you. A train ride, and everybody's got Omicron. On all right, thank you so much, Roy. Thank you so much, Roy. Thank you for keeping us updated on, on your developments. Thank you so much for that. No problem, Trevor. Now look, I understand the frustration of facing yet another new variant. I mean, how did that happen after everything we did? I mean, for two years now, people, we wore masks for some of the time. We social distanced when it was convenient. Then like half of us got vaccinated. What more is it gonna take? But at the same time, we shouldn't panic because this variant was just discovered. So there's still a ton that we don't know about it. We don't know how long it's been around. We don't know if it causes more severe illness. We don't know if it can evade our vaccines. We know less about this variant than your grandmother knows about Jojo Siwa. And she just knows she's scared. That's it. And it could very well be that all these mutations that sound so scary turn out to not be that big a deal. You know, like when Apple acts like it's making tons of changes to the iPhone, and then we're like, ah, I need a new iPhone, I need a new iPhone. And then you get it and you're like, wait, it's just a slightly different camera? I killed a man in line for this thing. So right now, basically all we know about this strain is that it's called Omicron, that's all we know. And even the name of the virus has a complicated story. A World Health Organization panel has just named the strain Omicron and classified it as a variant of concern. The World Health Organization named this variant Omicron instead of the next letters in the Greek alphabet, Nu or G. In a statement to the Associated Press, they said they skipped Nu because it sounds like the word Nu and that G is a common last name. Yes, it's true. G is a very common last name, particularly among Chinese authoritarian leaders. I see you who. And this really shows you the clout that China has, man. Because the World Health Organization is like, oh, we don't want to offend one guy in China. Meanwhile, Greece is over here like, what? You stole our whole alphabet, Malacca. And it has been interesting to see how sensitive the scientific community has become about naming COVID variants, right? Because back in the day, you realize back in the day, nobody cared. Like, nobody cared about naming diseases. Doctors would even name diseases after themselves. 
I discovered a disease that destroys the mind, making you slowly forget your life and the people that you love. And whenever people get this disease, I want them thinking of your boy, Alzheimer. Yeah, that way they'll never forget me. I mean, they might forget, but yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it's going to be quite cool. But the good news about them skipping those letters is that that means we're almost halfway to Omega now, which is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. And that means once COVID reaches the end of the alphabet, it can't make any more variants, people. That's just science. We did it, baby. Yeah. Now, the truth is that so far, there are some encouraging signs that Omicron may only be causing mild symptoms in the people who have it. Although experts say it'll take at least a couple of weeks before we really understand what the strain can do. But the world isn't waiting to find out. Governments are moving quickly tonight to limit travel into their countries in an attempt to slow the spread of the new COVID variant called Omicron. Overnight, the United States banned entry for non-citizen travelers from South Africa and seven neighboring countries. At least 44 other countries are also imposing travel restrictions. I took immediate steps to restrict travel from countries in Southern Africa. But while we have that travel restrictions can slow the speed of Omicron, it cannot prevent it. But here's what it does. It gives us time. It gives us time to take more actions, to move quicker, to make sure people understand you have to get your vaccine. You have to get the shot. Yes. If you give America just a couple more weeks, surely all the anti-vaxxers will finally come around and get their shots. Oh, bless your heart, Joe. No, for real. I mean, I understand where the U.S. is coming from on this, right? If you can slow down the spread of Omicron, even a little bit, then you have time to research it. You have time to work on new vaccines. And you have time to consult with Joe Rogan on a treatment plan. I mean, hey, maybe this time he'll say vaccines. You don't know. So a lot of people support this travel ban. Although Republicans aren't giving Biden any credit for taking a tough stance. In fact, today, Texas Governor Greg Abbott, he tweeted that while Biden is banning travel from South Africa, he's doing nothing to stop South Africans from crossing the southern border illegally. And you know, Greg Abbott has a very good point here. Every day, millions of South Africans walk across the Atlantic Ocean to cross the border. I mean, why did I book a flight? I could have just hitched a ride. What is this? This is the biggest load of bullshit ever. And and look, props to the governor of Texas for being able to turn literally any story into a complaint about the border. Everyone's watching Red Notice on Netflix when what they should be doing is watching our southern border. Now, you, you guys may not know this about me, but I too am a South African. Relax, relax, everyone in the studio, relax. I do not have the variant, I think. Got the OG one. And as a South African who does not have the variant, I think this travel ban is total bullshit. I really do. I mean, first of all, COVID is a hoax. We can all agree on that, right? (laughs) No, but, but for second of all, Omicron has already been found in over a dozen countries, a dozen countries around the world, right? We don't know where it started. We don't know how long it's been around. It's everywhere from Hong Kong to Israel to Spain. So why aren't you banning travel from all of those countries too, huh? Only the African countries? What's the difference between the African countries? Oh. I still don't get the logic. What, you think Omicron is, is gonna get to Europe and then just decide to stay there? I was going to spread to America, but I simply cannot leave the beauty of Barcelona. And look, I mean, maybe America is buying itself a couple of weeks before it gets overrun with Omicron, but don't forget, 
Don't forget about the cost of this action too. Because you do realize that other countries are paying attention and they realize that if they're gonna get punished for telling the world about new variants, they're gonna stop telling the world whenever their scientists discover new variants. I'm just saying, don't be surprised when the next variant pops up in Europe and Italian scientists come out acting like nothing is wrong. Everything is a fine. This is a just a, how you say, a TikTok challenge. But that's where we are right now. There's a new coronavirus that we don't know anything about. And because of that, I can't go home to my uncle's baby shower. And man, I really wanted to go. You don't see your uncle get showered by babies much. Anyway, when we come back, I'm gonna be talking to an actual scientist about Omicron means for the actual world. You don't wanna miss it. We begin with the developments on the new Omicron coronavirus variant. The name is Omicron. 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 This new um, uh, Omicron variant. Om Omicron. The rapidly spreading Omicron variant. The Omicron variant. Then there's Om Omicron. Is it Omicron? Um, Omicron or something? Yeah, from, yeah. I might be messing up the pronunciation of this. Is it Omicron? Omicron? How do we say it? It's called the Omicron. Welcome back to The Daily Show. We've been talking about the new Omicron variant that's spreading around the world. And to continue that conversation, I'd like to welcome Dr. Peter Hotez on the show. He's the co-director of the Center for Vaccine Development at Texas Children's Hospital. And he's here to talk more about what Omicron is and how countries should be reacting to it. Dr. Hotez, thank you so much for taking the time. Let's jump straight into this thing. Um, how much should we be blaming South Africa for this new variant? I mean, basically South Africa destroyed the world, right? This is our fault. Yeah, I mean, this, this is so demoralizing what's, what's, what's being done now to the people of not only South Africa, but Botswana and, and neighboring countries, Malawi, et cetera. Look, um, it goes like this. The, the, our worst pandemic variant threats, right? The alpha variant. How did that happen? It arose out of an unvaccinated population out of the United Kingdom in, at the end of 2020. So we already knew that if you leave large populations unvaccinated, that's how the worst variants arise. And then in 2021, it happened again with the Delta variant uh, arising out of an unvaccinated population uh, in, in India. And that's what we're living with right now in the United States and most of the world. So what did people think was going to happen if we refuse to vaccinate the African continent and helped Africa vaccinate itself. This was both predicted and predictable. So the rise of Omicron was inevitable from the simple fact that the African continent is virtually entirely unvaccinated, maybe 6%, that rounds off to zero. And, and the point is there was never the leadership, the policy decision to work with African governments to get the African people vaccinated. And so I feel the people in Southern Africa are, are paying for this twice. One, they're not vaccinated, and now we're going to punish them further on enacting, implementing travel restrictions, which we already know don't work. Um, they haven't worked this entire epidemic. Why would they work now? Let me, let me ask you this question, though. This is, this is really confusing, I think, for a lot of people in and around the variants. And I, I think it's a two-part question. Number one, how do we know, or do we know, where this variant comes from? You know, because people say South African variant or not, but it, it, was, it was sequenced, as I understand, in South Africa. Nobody knows where it's from, correct? And then, and then the second part of that is, are we not only discovering a variant now, but not where the variant is? Like, if people start testing all over the world and they now understand what to test for, aren't we just gonna see, 
you know, Omicron popping up everywhere as if oh, it is spreading when in fact it's already of, of there. Of course. So that's, all, that's always my first talking point when people are wringing their hands about the Omicron variant. They're saying, oh my God, but it's in multiple European countries and in Australia, in Canada, maybe the United States. And I say, well, yeah, that's been true of every variant we've had. By the time we identify a new variant, it's almost always all over the world. And so the fact that it's in multiple European countries in Australia and Hong Kong and, mm -hmm. and, and Canada, like the U.S., that always happens. It's, it's, it's not unique to Omicron. It's, it's true of every, every variant. From the very beginning, we've known this. For instance, when we were all focused on enacting travel bans uh, from China, right as the epidemic began, the pandemic began, what happened? This virus came in from Southern Europe to ignite the horrible epidemic in New York City in, in, in the spring of 2020. Right. That was, a, that was a lesson in itself. By the time we identify a new variant, it's already gone global. So looking at the situation now, you have people panicking, you have stock markets tumbling, you have, you know, uh, people canceling their travel plans. Nobody knows what to do. Airlines said they're canceling flights to and from South Africa. Then they said they're going to undo it from the UK. Governments don't seem to know what they're doing. Was this a knee-jerk reaction? Did, did they react without thinking first or did they do the right thing in getting ahead of it because they don't know what, what, what the new variant is all about? Where, where do you see this going as a scientist who's actually studying these viruses? Well, I think it's a little bit of that. I think a lot of it is the fact that these governments and the UN agencies were heavily criticized in the past for not reacting fast enough. And in some ways, I think this is an overcompensation. But when you break it down, um, I think you know, we, have to, we have to be more realistic about how serious this, this variant is. First of all, the fact that it's in multiple countries, we've already said, that's not a surprise. That happens with just about every variant, point number one. Point number two, in terms of severity of illness, there's no evidence I've seen that, this, the, this, that the illness produced by the Omicron variant is worth anything else that we've seen. So take those two things off the table. In terms of its resistance to vaccines, um, it will almost certainly not be as susceptible to the original vaccinations as the original strains. But we've seen this before. We've had another variant out of South Africa in 2020 called the B1351, the beta, which should have been a wake-up call back then, uh, and then one out of South America, the lambda, and the point is there was enough crossover or what Tony Fauci calls spillover from our existing vaccines to partially cross neutralize it. So my hope is that that's the case with our current vaccines, especially for individuals who've gotten three mRNA vaccines where there's a 30, three, three, three RNA doses where there's a 30 to 40 fold rise in virus neutralizing antibodies. So I am hopeful there'll be at least partial protection. And we'll know that over the next week or so. So our lab is looking at our vaccine against the Omicron variant. Moderna's doing the same, Pfizer's doing the same, J&J's doing the same. So we'll know that uh, hopefully over the next week. The best thing people can do right now is to use all the vaccines that are available. So get three doses if you can of mRNA, vaccinate your kids. And if you've been infected and recovered, if you can get vaccinated on top of that, that's the best gives you the best possibility of helping you weather these new variants. Do you think, before I let you go, do you think um, like scientists slash whoever was marketing this, do you think they made a mistake by calling it a vaccine? Do you think that's confused some people? Because they say, well, if I have a polio vaccine, then I'm fine, I don't get polio. If I get the measles vaccine, I don't get measles. Do you think they should have just called this like the, the shot, like a COVID shot, like you have a flu shot? You know, I think, you know, if they had uh, always from the beginning said this was a three dose vaccine, 
then people would have understood this better. And as a three-dose vaccine, I really do think it halts not only symptomatic illness and hospitalization, but there's some data now showing it could also halt infection uh, as well. It's just that it wasn't marketed that way. It oh, wasn't okay. billed that way. But, you know, if you look at all our pediatric vaccines, for instance, what do we do with our kids? We give a series of primary immunizations. You wait six months to a year, and then you give the boost. And that's what gives you the long-lasting durable protection. The point is, the mRNA vaccines were just going by the same playbook that every other vaccine we have. And, and, and I tried to give that message back in January, February. But I think, you know, with the other problem that we had was the company CEOs, you know, where we're sending out these press releases. And, you know, when company CEOs send out press releases, they're not meant for you or for me. They're meant for the shareholders. Right, right. To spectacularize their accomplishments and to jack up the stock prices. And, and they were very effective at doing that. But it was tone deaf to the impact and how these vaccines would be perceived by the public. Well, again, Dr. Hotez, thank you so much for the time and uh, good luck to thank you Thank you, Trevor. Thanks for all your great stuff. I really appreciate it. Appreciate you. Uh, don't forget people, Dr. Hotez's book, Preventing the Next Pandemic, is available now. All right, when we come back, the one and only Tandiwe Newton will be joining me right here in the studio. So don't go away. Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is Emmy Award-winning actor and producer, Tandiwe Newton. She's here to talk about her new documentary about the fight for democracy in Zimbabwe. Wow, tense. Tandiwe Newton, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Um, <laughs> let's jump straight into it. You know, when I first heard that you were going to be part of making a film about an election that was stolen, about people who felt like they were robbed, about a democracy that was under threat. I was like, are you doing something about America? And then, no, the information came out and I was like, no, this is, this is about Zimbabwe, a story that I've been following almost my whole life because of, course, of South yeah. Africa's proximity to the country. Yeah. But, but let's, let's talk about that immediately. Yeah. This is a story not just about Zimbabwe, but about democracy mm. as a whole. Mm. And you decided to tell it. What inspired you to go, this is the moment to tell this story? It was frustration more than anything. Um, I've been a human rights activist for two decades. Um, activism very often comes out of suffering, personal suffering, or certainly witnessing the suffering of others. Mm -hmm. um, and that was both those aspects were true for me. And I have been fighting for the rights of women and children. Um, and I realized recently that I've been a spokesperson for people all over the world except for Zimbabwe, my own home, because I feared the political backlash. Wow. And what happened last, in 2018, 2019, is that I realized that this isn't about politics. This is human rights. And this is about the future of humanity. Right, right. Because the work that I've done in Congo, similarly, um, is, is this is, it's a framework that is, we can see all over the world. You mm -hmm, talk about, mm -hmm, is this mm -hmm. America? Well, yes, it is. It's happening in Zimbabwe. It's happening in Congo. It's happening in the United States. It's happening in the Middle East. It's happening everywhere. This imbalance, this knowledge of where power rests right. and an inability for that to be shared amongst everybody. So to see my fellow Zimbabweans being devastated and it's obviously, it's been going on a long time and we thought Mugabe, you know, yeah, that, that, that the was release a, of Mugabe. That, that, that was a big thing in the story. Yeah, yes. that, that was a big story. There was as, so much hope. Yes, a lot of people <gasps> saw the story of Zimbabwe and here you had a leader who, you know, like many other leaders in the world, came into power with really 
good intentions, oh, yes. it seemed at the time. I mean, you, you see the story unfolding in so many countries where the people who Power fight corrupts. to free a country are not often the people who are best to lead that country yes. when it is free. And look, this is what Chimiza is currently saying. Nelson Chimiza, a young politician in Zimbabwe who is Minangagwa's opposition. Minangagwa should be happy to have a powerful opposition. Right. Should, and, and win, win. And then you show the country that even with a powerful opposition, you're still the rightful person to lead. I would love to know how you got the access that you did in this election. Because I mean, when you're watching this documentary, oftentimes you watch documentaries and you know, it, it's interviews that are predominantly trying to tell you what's happening in the story. Mm -mm -mm -mm. In this None story, you are in the story, mm. we're seeing what is happening. You know, you're seeing how votes are being manipulated. You're seeing how precincts are reporting one person winning by 300,000 votes when there are only like 100,000 people who live in that area. Mm. How did and you, you also uh, see that there's access by one party and none by another. Right, but how, how did you get the access, the access into, I mean, because Zimbabwe has been notorious for very long and that the ruling party, the ZANU-PF has said no, we're, we're running our elections, we've won, and that's none of your business. So how did you get in and how did you get your people in safely to tell that story? Camilla Nielsen, wonderful filmmaker. She had already made a documentary called Democrats, which mm -hmm. was about Mugabe, and they had allowed her to film full access both parties. Um, so here she was, they actually banned her first documentary. Mugabe banned it, uh, even with using the same law that they use for pornography, that it wasn't good for people to watch. Right. Anyway, um, and that happened. And then Camilla went on a three-year legal battle to have Democrats be shown, and she won. So as a result, she had the freedom to continue her work as documentary maker, mm -hmm. and all we see in this film is what she witnessed. She doesn't, there's no talking heads. Right. She doesn't get anyone to say anything. She doesn't manipulate anybody. One of the things I love about her as a filmmaker, she has the, it's called a cinema verite, it's a style where you do not intrude on what you see. All you see in this film is what was actually happening and it is more crazy than any kind of murder mystery, any kind of CIA drama. You cannot believe what's happening in front of your eyes. You know, when a story like this is told about a country like Zimbabwe, on a continent like Africa, there is a certain apathy that infects people when watching this. They go like, well, that is what happens. You know, they'll be like, well, that's, that's a third world country. That's what happens. You know, it's bound to happen. Of course, that'll happen. And yet it feels like now, maybe because of what's been happening in the US, maybe because of what's been happening in, you know, whether it's Brexit or, or Ukraine, mm -hmm. or it feels like there is a different understanding of a shared threat mm. if people are not careful. What is that idea? What do you think people can learn in watching this, regardless of where they live, about oh, democracy? We are a common humanity. We're a common humanity. And one thing that people will realize is that the people that they see are so like them. You'll recognize that what's happening in Zimbabwe is happening, as I've said, everywhere. Because we are all in a fight for our freedom. Mm. All of us. Whether it's in our business, whether it's at the workplace and you're an actress in the film business, whether it's you're a sportsman and you're trying to take a knee to say enough, we are all fighting for our freedom. And there are microcosms everywhere. Watch or don't watch this documentary, but no, watch to, not, Let's go to, to watch not see Okay, here's one thing. This change doesn't happen fast, and we think it does because we're in a time of incredible media, technology, but the truth is real systemic change mm -hmm. takes time. Have faith, have faith. 
feel something. That's the other thing I would say. Feel something. This documentary, others like it, force you to actually engage and feel. We need to bring feeling back into our humanity. I really believe it. And, and the irony that technology, strangely, is, uh, it has come from lack of feeling, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's very often orchestrated by people who, who have lost their capacity to feel. You know, we know that we're in a world now where there are people that just don't have empathy. It's scary, right? Right. But then work with us. Work with us that still feel, that still cry every day, that still can't turn away from the television. There is a system that currently works. It's, it's hideous, but it, it's moving forward. We also know that there are people suffering in this system and there are people cheating the system. If we find the cheaters, those that are suffering will suffer less. Mm. And that, it won't happen in, we can start something in our lifetimes. That's why I tell people to watch it. Yeah. Watch the documentary, draw the parallels to the world you live in, and the best way to say it is feel. Tandy Wayne Newton, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank you for having Always me. Always a pleasure to have you here. All right, people, President will be in theaters December 17th, and it will be available on digital in February. We're gonna take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. Well, that's our show for tonight, but before we go, some exciting news. The Daily Show has some holiday merch that has just dropped. It's our Happy Belated Holidays sweatshirt. Yes, the only gift that won't have you worried about supply chain issues. So if you wanna check it out, scan the QR code or head to the link below. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, get your vaccine, and remember, try to get on Omicron's good side now by standing for it online. Yeah, then when it gets here, it'll be like, this guy's cool. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central, and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.